0: next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believers Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. The Gospel of John chapter 10 verse 13 says the hired hand flees because he is a hired hand and he doesn't care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, verse 14, I know my own, and I am known by my own, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice. They will become one flock with one shepherd. Therefore the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I received this commandment from my Father. So in this passage, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. Now, what makes a good shepherd as far as Christ is concerned? Well, it's one that lays down his life for his sheep. Well. That certainly narrows the field of play, doesn't it? For the under shepherd today, man, that's a daunting call. Yet for Jesus, it was and is the standard. It's the line in the sand. And Jesus was that kind of a shepherd, not figuratively, not just spiritually, but literally, for he died physically and completely. Now, just who were these other sheep that Jesus was speaking of in verse 16? Well, Jesus was speaking that day specifically to the Jews and to the Jewish nation. But he's saying there would indeed be other sheep that would come and those sheep would be joined into this one to create one flock with one shepherd. And gang, that would clearly be you and I. Jesus here in speaks of his coming crucifixion. He speaks as well of its subsequent, his subsequent resurrection. Now, by all outward appearances, history would present a mob of men who would come and then take the life of Jesus. But come on, did they really take it from Jesus? This from a man who made the lame to walk and the blind to see, who literally brought the dead back to life, really, they're gonna take this life from Jesus? From one who repeatedly eluded his pursuers by slipping away from amongst the crowd? Listen, no matter what one would say about Jesus today, it is clear that a guy with these kind of obvious powers could have easily continued to elude uh, would-be killers if he had so desired. But that's not what he desired, because that night as he prayed in the garden, he knew very well that they were coming for him, and yet he remained. He remained there, and he prepared for his day that now had come. He prepared himself, as well as those who were with him, those in the garden. John twelve twenty seven, speaking of such, says, but I came to this time for this cause. Verse 18 gives us the bottom line. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down. That's a very stark reminder of just who Jesus is and he tells us that laying down his life was his choice and that he can and that he would take it back up again. And it was all by edict from his father. John 3, 7 says, don't marvel that I said to you, you must, must be born again. Verse 19 of our text says, therefore a division rose up again among the Jews because of these words. It seems that wherever Jesus went, This was the result of his presence. Jesus seemed to never leave any ambiguity. Frankly, he rather caused division everywhere he went, the believers on one side, and those rejected him and rejected his message on the other side. Luke 12, beginning in verse 51, says this, Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? I tell you, no, but rather division. For from now on, there will be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, and mother against daughter, and daughter against her mother, mother in law against her daughter in law, and daughter in law against her mother in law. Jesus never has a benign or nebulous effect upon people. Not then, not now. He continues to be the rock of offense. This simply because he told the truth. He was not purposely abrasive. No, I mean, he wasn't purposely rude or or condescending. In fact, he was merely truthful, and that's what got him in so much trouble. I guess that's enough to get a guy into trouble in any generation. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness who does no wrong, just and right is he. And Psalms 33.4 says, For Yahweh's word is right, all his work is done in faithfulness. Verse 20 says, Many of them said, He has a demon and he is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the sayings of one possessed by a demon. It isn't possible for a demon to open the eyes of the blind, is it? Now, ironically, those who opposed Jesus actually accused him of being possessed by a demon. Can you imagine that? Certainly I can. I mean, here Jesus was a living embodiment of perfect holiness, and they accused him of having a demon. You have to understand that oftentimes such name calling is just a child's tantrum when men who are really boys don't get their way. But we can be sure to take note of the fact that people dealt with Jesus that way. And thus, when we are so treated, we are of great company. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. To learn more about Tim Dodson or Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.